Welcome to The Lens with me, Ollie Barrett. My guests today are Ivan Beckley, who is a student at UCL. And the first thing I knew about Ivan was that he'd got his degree sponsored by DeepMind, uh, the company acquired by Google. So I was fascinated immediately to learn how he did it and why he did it as well. Also to hear about uh, the organisation that he started called Limitless, which is helping young people get in to jobs. My second guest is Vivian Hunt, and Vivian runs McKinsey in the UK and Ireland, and McKinsey's always been one of those organisations for me that everybody has heard of, but not everybody knows exactly what they get up to. So I wanted to find out more about what happens under the bonnet, and I also wanted to find out about her personal journey, which started, would you believe, with training to be a midwife in Africa, and took her through the Peace Corps, through healthcare, and many other things along the way. So I hope you'll get a sense from this recording of their personal journeys, about social mobility, and also in a very practical sense, how we prepare people for the jobs of the future. Let's get to the conversation. Vivian, Ivan, welcome. It's very nice to see you both. Now, um, Vivian, I'm going to start with you, if I may. McKinsey is globally renowned. I do wonder if some people will be listening to the lens saying, just remind me, what does McKinsey actually do? Because it's such a variety of work and consulting that you get up to. Give us a sense of that breadth. Sometimes I think we're asking ourselves the same question. We are, for sure, a global organization that helps businesses and organizations improve their performance. But at a significant scale, we want improvements that last and are enduring changes for our clients and organizations. We serve private sector companies public sector entities, and also social sector enterprises. And that's an important perspective, I think, on business today and the changing nature of work. Yes. And in terms of the nuts and bolts of whatever a typical day might look like, are you giving advice? Are you making things happen for your clients? What does it actually look like? So if a client has asked us a question, say about productivity, workforce automation, learning, or entrepreneurship, we would assemble a team of people from around the world who are best positioned to answer that question. Well, Vivian, welcome to The Lens. Ivan, uh, I want to talk to you about many aspects of your life. Uh, by day, you are a student. Tell us a bit more. Correct. I am a student and I study at UCL, so University College London. I'm currently doing a master's there, and it's specifically in data science for research and health. And that's after taking a year out of medical school to do that. So I actually finished my third year of medical school, also at UCL, um, this summer. And I made a decision partly because I saw a transition in healthcare that was required a new set of skills that we as medical students just weren't learning. And within your year, amongst your peer group, to take that step out, is that a, a very regular thing? Is it a little bit unusual? Uh, it's hugely unusual. So um, I was the only one from medical school to go off to do a data science-related uh, master's. And so I think the medical school were very supportive in doing so. I think I explained very clearly that this wasn't about transitioning to a different career. Almost supercharging your supercharging powers and skill set. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, come without, it doesn't come without costs, though, does it? it Particularly doesn't. financially. Yeah. Uh, so you did something a little bit different. Yes, I did. So I applied to the master's course last year with the intention of kind of approaching my studies in a different way. But funding was an issue. And so what I did was say, how can I gain industry support? So this transition was being led in healthcare a lot by industry um, individuals and organisations. My approach was say, how can I reach out to those individuals to say, look, I'm a medical student who sees a perspective as do you. And so I think my skills in acquiring the masters could be really useful. Mm. And one of those companies was Google, specifically the DeepMind team. Mm. Um, so I spoke to them. Um, I knew one of the clinical leads of the team and he was very open, surprisingly so. 
you know, I wrote a proposal, a blog post, in fact, which, you know, I had some great feedback globally, actually, from many people. Mm. And they read the post. And after many conversations and interviews with the DeepMind team, thankfully, they're sponsoring the Masters and I'll be working there during the summer next year. And just out of interest, presumably, lots of companies ignored you yes. uh, and, and, and others responded. Anything you learned along the way? Yeah, a huge amount. So I reached out to over 15 different companies and, you know, I had a number of responses. Um, some were actually very positive, but the funding opportunities weren't there. I learned from that experience that actually it's worth reaching out. It really is when you have this vision and mm. opportunity um, to speak to people because there are a number of individuals that on the surface might not seem... Um, open, but they are. They're open in thought um, and, and conversation. So if you have something you want to achieve, is to ask for it yep. um, and to be honest and genuine about that approach. And some people might think that actually 15 is a relatively targeted uh, number of people, but it is very deliberate. Yeah. Uh, Vivian, your roots came through healthcare as well. For you, was that deliberate or was part of that accidental? How, how did that first begin? Well, my journey came through healthcare as well. I finished university undergraduate at Harvard, and I'd studied sociology and uh, economics. And I just wanted a change. I wanted something that was uh, closer to frontline work, not as academic, and also uh, building a business and capability. I joined the U.S. Peace Corps at that time, and I had hoped for a small business program, but they didn't have a space. And so I took a place in the healthcare program. It was in Senegal, West Africa a little town called Sokon, and it allowed me to work directly with service provisions. It happened to also be at a hospital. And so I trained as a midwife and worked as a sage femme and and lived on Bruce for two or three years. No one told me about the lack of running water, the high incidence of diseases, the really difficult circumstances for uh, people living in rural poverty, nor the joys of really high quality of life. But what was super clear was that basic provision of health care was not happening in the right way partly because the system was set up to deliver to a small infirmary or clinic. Most people had an aunt or a sister who was serving as the midwife for the family. And basically, medical care didn't come to the clinic where we were sitting with the resources until it was far too late for the child or the mother. And so we spent the next two or three years really turning the clinic inside out and pushing the services out into the local community and delivering them at household and at village level. It really started me on a journey that continued through my time at McKinsey, where I worked in our medical products and pharmaceutical practice and and helped to launch and and renew that here in the UK and beyond. Let's take a step back even before that, Ivan and Vivian. Your very first ever role, because health came next, but where did everything start and, and, and why health for you, Ivan? My first role was actually before going to university, so I had a gap year. I was offered a space at medical school, but it was for the following year, because I was 17 when I interviewed. And they said, actually, you could benefit from a year to do pretty much whatever you wanted. So in that year, I worked for a charity called City Year, and I supported students there from various different backgrounds. And it was actually my first role to be on a different side of the education system and supporting students through quite difficult challenges that, as a student, you don't really understand. So things about, you know, how your family are able to support you through the system, how resource-enabled are you to kind of carry out your homework at home, things that teachers think about and system thinks about a lot. And so I think it was from that experience that, you know, I led on to think about the problems that currently exist and how young people today face a different set of challenges that previously didn't exist. Yeah. Um, and there needs to be organisations to help support that. That was my first job role. Yeah, and, and for a lot of people, that would have stayed something they thought about from time to time. <laughs> for you, you formed an organisation. You I formed did. Limitless. I did, yeah. Uh, 
What is it? I realise that students find it difficult to navigate the system, specifically thinking about how do I take the work that I do every day, how does that actually link to the future? And especially for those that come from a background which is quote-unquote disadvantaged. So I thought, how could I create a programme or something that was effective for a small number of students? Um, So that's where Limitless began and we set out on the mission to help students be confident about being ambitious is recognising that actually I have the ability to achieve whatever ambition I have. Our job Mm -hmm. was about enabling that. Well, and I want to talk a bit about some of the work that McKinsey's doing with Generation, which is also extraordinary. But in essence, Limitless is a programme? Yes, it is. And where are you up to? Where, Where have you progressed to and what are some of the outcomes you can talk about? So we've been running Limitless for about two years and we ran six sessions across a year. That was because we recognised this isn't going to happen with one interaction, like one event or like, you know, one after school club you know, situation. This has mm-hmm. to be a progressive development of self for those individuals. And we focus specifically on those before they go to GCSE. So we introduce them to companies like Google, mm-hmm. IDEO, design firms, and we mm-hmm. take them into those environments and say, these are the opportunities that currently exist in this new changing world. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, the last two sessions are about how can we challenge them to actually demonstrate some of the skills that we think are important. That's the current nature of the programme. And it's very focused at the moment. It's very local. Um, very ambitions local. for its uh, growth, where, where, where do you see it? Ambitions are to deliver impact in a progressive way. That's where we're hoping to go. Well, I want to talk more about it. Vivian, before we talk about Generation, just take me back to your first ever job. Where were you and what were you up to? I was in university. It was in my first year. We launched a student service. It was called Harvard Student Agencies, Mm -hmm. and we employed students on campus. We would hire out a Harvard student to Mm -hmm. do anything. That Mm -hmm. was our strap line. We did movers, catering services, jugglers. We had people who read books to older people who had macular degeneration and couldn't see. Anything and everything legal the Harvard students could do. So, so Vivian, that is a highly entrepreneurial first role. Um, Did the entrepreneurial path... Uh, attract you? Did it beckon at some point? Well, I still believe that the work I did in the Peace Corps as my second job, if you will, was entrepreneurial in the sense that we scaled and restructured the program we were given. You know, success, I think, is a little bit about having a worthwhile experience where you contribute to others, but also where you take something and leave it better in terms of the impact we have with the local community their own skills and ability. It's a point of pride for me that many years later, some of the vaccination programs, the weighing programs, the nutritional programs are still ongoing that we initiated. Mm. I was at the Gates Foundation just after the UN in New York a few weeks ago, and one of the innovations was a cold pack where you could have the vaccines on your back. It allowed you to travel hundreds of kilometers instead of dozens, and you could literally vaccinate hundreds more people in the same time frame. I thought to myself, well, that's the same work Mm. I was doing 30 years ago, except that woman, the role is a full-time job, and secondly, she's doing hundreds of people in the same time that I was doing dozens. And so scale matters if you want to have a lasting impact on people's lives and ambition, as in the case of Limitless, or on the economy that they work in. And so the thing that captured my imagination in the Peace Corps was partly healthcare, because it's totally essential to people's lives, and but also partly impact at scale, the ability to make a much bigger difference in the world than you can make just with your own two hands. Mm. And in terms of that power and ability to influence, um, McKinsey has that um, overflowing, and I suspect that is why you've created Generation. Just tell us a little bit about it as an organisation. It's um, in, in a number of countries. What is it? Project Generation is a social sector initiative founded by McKinsey just three years ago. It was born out of a desire to take some of the principles and approaches that we use for improving performance and sustaining those improvements and apply them 
in the social sector mm. is quite simply a jobs retraining and skilling program. It exists in five countries, Spain, the U.S., Kenya, India, and Mexico. It combines an employer's need for skills and talent with young people's need to have ambition. And so it's matching supply and demand, the need for more skilled workers from employers with young people who really want to learn. Mm -hmm. The program generally is six to 12 weeks of training. And well, we require that the students leave with a real accreditation and a job placement. And I was very um, inspired by some of these numbers. You've got over a thousand employing partners, 10,000 graduates. But the thing that really took me aback was 84% of the students are in employment after 90 days of going through the programme. So give us a sense of what the secret sauce in the programme is. Well, what's different about it? What are they actually doing as they go through the programme? It's probably a third about learning the skill or the accreditation that you need to actually do the job. It's a third about a growth mindset, giving the young person confidence with their peers that they can do the job and that they can be successful in that role. And it's probably a third with the supporting requirements for you to be successful at work. We have programs in retail, some in basic and secondary level digital skills, carers in terms of the home health uh, needs and develop economies, and others of them around entrepreneurism. Yeah. And in, and in that sense, Ivan, when you hear Vivian talking about mm. Generation, what's going through your mind? It's fantastic. I think it's a great program. And I think it's particularly really interesting how, you know, the project enables what Mackenzie does best to work at scale. And I think more organisations need to take that approach. What do our business organisation do best? And how can we enable the change that needs to exist socially? It's not unique at McKinsey. We have several things in the social sector sphere where we try to achieve uh, more impact and scale. Now, Vivian, Ivan, I want you to have the chance to ask each other questions. You've heard something about each other's roles and lives, and I know you've um, done some homework before today. Ivan, anything you wanted to ask Vivian? Yes. I find huge inspiration from your journey, Vivian. So it'd be really interesting to hear how do you approach being able to be in a role where, you know, you deliver and you execute that role really well, but you also have visions for change in, in organisation. How do you go about doing that? I think there are two parts to any journey. One is your own apprenticeship and learning. That's about learning the skill set, building your capabilities, and only then once it's robust, once you have a point of view, then can you scale. How do you have the ambition to scale it has two parts to it. First is always a dream. There's a wish to try and improve something or move the needle. And that's important in today's world because if you think about the theme for the uh, Davos World Economic Forum this year, it's about how do we face the challenges of living in a more fractured and fragmented world. You have to have a vision for something that's an improvement. You have to have some dream, something that gets you up in the morning that even if people think you're a little crazy, mm. invites you to and gives you the motivation to keep working on it. And then secondly, you need a system. You need help and capabilities to deliver it. Yeah. I always call my colleagues and work with a team of people with different skills so that we can take the kernel of a good idea, what you're doing now with Limitless, and help it scale to something certainly beyond what any one person could do. Ivan, thoughts on this theme, creating a shared future in a fractured world. Uh, what does that phrase mean to you? I always think about it from my perspective as a young individual who has, you know, relatively large ambitions, is where do we start to enable that for individuals that haven't been at that table um, in the beginning? For me, I think to, in order to approach that, that statement, it's important that we have conversations that involve everyone um, and, and start to create change that involves everyone. Absolutely. Um, Vivian, a question for Ivan. What is the biggest contribution that you think young people can make to creating more of this shared value in a fractured world, be it in the UK or globally? 
I think a big part of what young people can do in order to shape parts of the world that are fragmented um, is to enable their ideas to be brought to life. What young people can do is be more confident with their ideas, their visions for the future, um, and reach out to individuals that they think can help to do that. Because I see so many young people who have ideas for the future but are afraid of being able to transfer that into reality. Mm. It's interesting when you look in history, a lot of innovators and agitators, gadflies, challengers to the system, were also young. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., he was young. Yeah. You know, so many people who are starting these technology companies that are transforming the structure of value creation, the nature of work, literally restructuring how we work today, they're all young people. I am really agreeing with your point of if young people can see it in their mind or you blog about it and find a community online, don't just talk about it. Yeah. What can you build offline mm, in absolutely. the real world to make a difference? I love that push. That's definitely the point. And Vivian, what would you say to the person listening to The Lens that says, look, I am at a crossroads. Um, I could do my own thing. I could start my own organization, co-found my own organization, or I could join an existing organization, perhaps with global reach, certainly with huge resource and absolutely certainly with more resource than I would have if I was starting out on my own. What do you say to the, someone wrestling with that question? I think it's a false choice. I think both things can be true. Yeah. And so whatever your motivation, I would say just get started on it. The great thing about being young is that you can grow and change and innovate many, many times. Something that's been on my mind a lot throughout the lens is around technology. And I put it to you that um, amidst all of the excitement and innovative development in technology, um, it will, if we are not careful, leave a very large number of people behind. And I wonder, um, I wonder to what extent that concerns you and what, if anything, we can do about it. Uh, Ivan, some thoughts? Yeah, I think this is a really important question. As we begin to be more innovative and create technology that hadn't currently existed and, you know, we transition to this term of a fourth industrial revolution, what does that mean for the people who are going to be involved in that shift and enabling that change and technology enabling that change? How can we bring people along that journey? And I think it links back to the point of, of why we started Limitless, is creating that conversation between um, those who have that ambition and the people changing that ambition. Those companies who are enabling that change, recognising that their people are going to be left behind and that the conversation needs to be had with those individuals. And a big part of that is opening the doors to those environments. Mm. AI, this kind of machine learning technology, feels too distant away from the everyday ambitious young student. Behind this is advanced statistics. Um, and actually, some of the math skills you're using is directly applicable to this. That conversation isn't being had enough. And I think the more that we can actually open those doors of those environments and make it simple to understand and therefore accessible to those individuals. OK, and... Um Vivian, um, the McKinsey Global Institute has authored a recent report saying that robot automation will take up to 800 million jobs by 2030. And what that means is that perhaps a third of the workforce in richer nations may need to retrain. Um, net, net, do you see challenges? Do you see opportunities? And how do we make sure uh, that literally millions of people aren't simply left behind, out of work and unfulfilled? There's no question that the impact of the technological change it will be significant. First is globalization, the connection of capital, goods, services, talent, mobile, active, global 
diverse workforce, and of course infrastructure are the platforms on which all of our economic development sits. And we have a high degree of interconnectivity and globalization. Technology and globalization and economic development are very closely entwined. Secondly, we have been here before. We call it the fourth industrial revolution because there has been the agrarian revolution, the industrial revolutions. So my point is we have seen technology-driven change of this magnitude before. In the north of the UK, the textile industry or the automotive industry are all great examples of that, the coal industry in Wales. So some historical context and a little bit of history and pattern recognition does help. Mm. We have to use technology to power productivity. This combination of data science plus medicine plus human behavior that you're studying Mm -hmm. for, the job you'll do in the medical and life sciences is probably not created yet. And so we've got to use the technology change and the permission that we have with that and the tools we have with that to use data in new ways and to apply it to our economy to find more productivity. Yeah. Ivan, where are you on this? Do you see opportunities, challenges? I completely agree. The the roles that will exist in the next you know, 30 or 40 years don't currently exist. And therefore, how do we train, enable individuals with all their ambition and all their insights now for that future? And that's the real challenge. But it's a huge opportunity, actually, because really, you know, if we can get this right now, we can completely, you know, engineer a new way of enabling people to move this through the social classes because those roles, you know, can elevate someone completely in a very quick space of time. Mm. Maybe we could talk a bit more generally, particularly about this thought around social mobility mm-hmm. um, because that is a phrase which um, which I know resonates but means different things to different people. Vivian, um, what, what does that phrase mean to you and particularly in terms of how we unlock uh, opportunities in technology? What do we need to get better at? We'll take London as an example, but it really could be any city in the UK or another country. You first have to get specific. How many jobs and skill sets are going to be affected by the technology change? Hoping to have cohorts of people, social and economic mobility that persists towards economic development is a wonderful goal. But if you're not specific about how you're going to solve that in Hackney versus Highgate versus any other part of the country, you really won't move the needle. You've got to get local and specific to really make a difference. The second thing is that business and government have to work together to be able to do the training and reskilling that's needed both within employers as well as outside. Mm. Limitless and Generation are really focused on helping young people who are at risk of being marginalized from the economy, not having the skills, confidence, and ability to engage. Mm. We also have lots of people who need more technology enablement in their skills and retraining who are already in work. In 10 years' time, 9 out of 10 people who are employed will still be employed. Helping young people of all backgrounds to enter successfully and also training and preparing more agile workforces for the employees that we have. Mm. And so I think we have to be practical. And on that practicality, Ivan, Mm -hmm. you know, reports have been written about this. This remains so high up, so many people's agenda. How would you suggest we can increase social mobility here in the UK? My view on this is very much about how do we open those doors for those individuals and the opportunities for them to gain those skills. Um, Because as I said, I think once students are introduced, enabled, and then have a view of the use of those skills, then that's when we we enable true social mobility in this transformational digital fourth industrial revolution. But you also have to be able to measure it, Ivan, in terms of wage and income levels. Are those moving forward, standing still or moving back? You know we've had a period where the economic development's grown, but wage increases 
has not uh, happened. We've been in an incredibly low interest rate environment, and so we're going to see more volatility um, and pressures as a result of the uh, changes that may come. We also want to look at assets and wealth creation, particularly through housing, which is most people's primary source of wealth if you're fortunate enough to be able to buy a home. And so I love the idea of moving cohorts of people, having individuals inspired, community inspired, but we need to measure it. We need to really make sure that our definition of what impact is in terms of social mobility is creating that value, distributing it in a more thoughtful way, and communicating that back to communities so that people actually believe the progress is being made. You spoke earlier about being on blogs, and that was one of the ways in which you found you connected with other students, you connected with employers, and found your funding from DeepMind. We also need a social media and environment that gives people confidence that they are making real progress against these things. But measuring the impact and making sure we're having that impact at scale, not just having impact for individuals' lives. So I have a question for you. Um, on your ambition about um, repaying or making a difference to your community, yeah. how will you know when you've done that? Wow, that's a tough question. I think for me the most important thing I can do is to create environments or opportunities where um, students like myself when I was growing up feel empowered uh, to go off and achieve their dreams because everyone has dreams. I think the, the difference between those that achieve it and those that don't is their belief in that. For me, it's about getting to a stage where I can be a role model, hopefully provide direct opportunities for individuals to achieve their dreams. Because frankly, you know, that's an awesome thing to be able to do. Excellent. May you continue to cross paths and collaborate, I hope. Uh, For now, though, Ivan Beckley and Vivian Hunt, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you.